Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast as always and appreciate you tuning in to the show. It is week 16 in the NFL, which means that Fantasy Football Friday has become no more important than it is in this moment and time. Obviously, it's important every single week, but you are in crunch time. It is do or die time. And that means, as you hear this music in the background, when you hear this sound, you know it is Fantasy Football Friday. Proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. It is where you go to watch the games. That is what happens when it comes to Saturday games, Sunday games, Monday games, all of the bowl games, basketball, football, soccer, hockey, whatever, lacrosse. You're going to the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York on 3680 Milton Avenue, and Mike Sofka and I are here every single week bringing you fantasy football advice inside of this segment, Fantasy Football Friday. Mike hails from Central Florida, and Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com is the place to go to, so type it in, bookmark it, save it, and make sure you got it, and of course, myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. Mike, how you doing today? Awesome. How you doing? Doing very well. And, and Mike, we're going to jump right into the gamut here. It's week 16. It's very, very crucial. Every single move that people make. So let's get to the first game. And it's on Saturday, December 23rd, Indianapolis at Baltimore. As we remind people once again, if you have Indy, Baltimore, Minnesota, Green Bay, set your lineups now. Do not forget to do so. What do you have for Indy at Baltimore in this game? Well, this is a rough game for some fantasy players, it, it, there's not a lot here to offer, but at the same time, it's interesting because the Ravens really have to win this game. The, the, the Colts don't. So it's going to be in Baltimore. Of course, it's going to be an all-Baltimore game. I mean, you may look at a Joe Flacco. He's number 16 overall on my on my rankings. That's just because he's playing at Indianapolis, or versus Indianapolis. But Jacoby Brissett's going to struggle against the Baltimore defense. And looking at the running back situation, I don't know who I can count on in this game besides Alex Collins. He's been pouring it on lately, and against Indy, he should continue to to do well. I got him number 10 overall this week as far as running backs go. And, you know, wide receiver, again, it's as the quarterbacks go. You know, it looks like Mike Wallace is the guy that they're going to depend on in Baltimore, but I don't know you can depend on a T.Y. Hilton this week. And same thing goes with, tight ends. I don't see a tight end here. So one or two bright spots in this game that the Ravens have to win. Yeah, the Ravens definitely have to win this game. This is the Indianapolis Colts against the Baltimore Ravens. I love this game because they used to be the Baltimore Colts. So it's the city and the team reuniting in this matchup. However, the Colts coming back to Baltimore look absolutely atrocious this year. They're 3-11. and The only teams worse than them are the are the New York Giants, Cleveland Browns, San Francisco's even gotten better as of late. Doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. And San Francisco, I mean, I, I guess all the way through it matters throughout, but San Francisco's definitely done some good things to build on their future with Jimmy Garoppolo, whereas Indianapolis just looks terrible. They look awful in this game. I don't know who you trust on the field for them. As far as uh, injury goes for Indianapolis, I want to take a quick look at this for you. They have a bunch of guys on injury. The one that's going to show up on your radar, though, is Dante Moncrief. He is out. He will not play due to an ankle injury. He's been on the 
injury report for a few weeks now. And then as far as Baltimore goes, uh, Jeremy Macklin is doubtful for the game with a knee injury, and that's really the only guy there that you would have to be concerned about. As far as the Colts, uh, who would I tell you to play in this game? Besides Jack Doyle as a low-end tight end, too, if you need to play two tight ends, Jack Doyle can be an option for you, but I, I really don't like anybody. I could see Indy scoring three to seven points in this game and calling it a day. As far as Baltimore goes, Javoris Allen, if you have to go deep into flex, I like Alex Collins. I think he's the guy that's been most consistent for them since like week three. So I think Alex Collins is the guy. I saw something in him early on, and like like Mike always says, and, and, and I echo, if you're not ahead of the game, then you're behind. If you're not two weeks ahead, then you're you're two weeks behind. And in the sense of Alex Collins, he was one of those guys. So hopefully you have him and you can use him as a running back three in this week for you for week 16. Uh, besides Alex Collins, if you want to take a flyer on, Mike Wallace and Javoris Allen are flex position guys that I don't expect a ton out of. Alex Collins in this game is the only one I feel good about. And then Jack Doyle for the Colts, I feel mediocre about I feel like if you want five points seven points then he could be your guy but not a lot of fantasy points in this one if if it's not Alex Collins and Javoris Allen only because they're playing the Colts and when they use that one-two punch sometimes he gets the yardage that you might like and he might find his way to the end zone but Alex Collins looks like he's going to be the guy for them he's been the guy Minnesota at Green Bay this game means everything to Minnesota nothing to Green Bay what do you think about this one well, yeah, Minnesota wins and Carolina loses or ties. They're going to, you know, clinch the first round by. And, you know, they've already clinched the NFC North, so there's not a lot for them to play for. But in a way, there is. They're going to continue to play. I don't think you're going to see them pull guys too early. And, and the bottom line is that they're going against a porous Green Bay defense. So if you have anybody on Minnesota, you want to start them. I got Keith Keenum in the top ten this week. Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon should both be uh, running back twos for you this week. And, of course, Adam Thielen's a wide receiver one. Stephon Diggs is a wide receiver two. Uh, You know, Kyle Rudolph's not going to be playing, but I look for it to be dominated by Minnesota. If you have a Green Bay player, I you know, not so much this week. I just, I don't see any merit in starting any Green Bay player this week. No, Green Bay, and it's it's really sad, but Green Bay this season, I mean, obviously they fell off the wagon with the loss of Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't do enough to stay on it. Minnesota's been amazing. You know, <clears throat> Case Keenum, as I said, and I can't say it enough, he showed me something when he was in Houston that I really, really liked, and it kind of dropped off a little bit. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I just saw a flicker, and, and maybe it'll never come back again. And then it did. I mean, this this guy is is Minnesota's got to be on the list. I mean, Jacksonville as a team is out of thirty two teams, they got to be voted the best turnaround. But Case Keenum has to be voted the most underrated player that's that's been at high performance all season long. He's been wonderful for Minnesota. They're eleven and three with you know, and, and most of that is Case Keenum. It's not like they were seven and zero with Sam Bradford and Case just stepped in a few games ago. He's been making it happen. So, you know, in this game against Green Bay, if you play two quarterbacks, Case Keenum's not a bad option. And if you're looking at your options of what you got, I'm I'm not <laughs> – I think Case is a low-end quarterback one because he performs in the game. I like Latavius Murray in the game as a low-end running back two. Uh, as far as 
wide receivers go, Stephon Diggs and, and Adam Thielen, it's hard to choose between the two because Diggs has big games here and there, but they're sporadic. Adam Thielen's usually the yardage getter, but not necessarily the touchdown. So if you have either one of them, look to play them in this game. Really nobody on the injury report for Minnesota. For Green Bay, Devontae Adams is going to be out with a concussion. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers was placed on injury reserve. If you if you want to try Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, now that they're both playing and they're both healthy, it's going to hurt each other, potentially. So I don't know how much you're going to get out of either one of them, but these are all low-end flex guys. If you're looking and scouring the waiver wire, if you're scouring free agency, if you're ripping at straws because something happened to one of your players, then maybe you go there, but hopefully you don't have to go to Green Bay's running backs. Sunday games on Christmas Eve, Cleveland at Chicago. What do you have for this one? Yeah, Cleveland is just, you know, continue to be a train wreck outside of, you know, the, the the coming back of their number one wide receiver now, Josh Gordon. You know, it's amazing the guy's away from the game that long and he steps right back on the field and takes command right away. You know, it does elevate Deshaun Kaiser, but not by much. So I think this game could be dominated by the Bears, the Bears' defense, the Bears' ability to run the ball. So with that in mind, I think you can look at a Mitch Trubisky if you're in a multi-quarterback league or something with a super flex, not so much at Deshaun Kaiser. You know, Jordan Howard's going to get the touches. He's a low-end running back one, you know, the Browns, Isaiah Crowell, you know, peaked for a little while there, but he's no more than a running back three or maybe a flex this week. Now, I just talked about him, and, and Josh Gordon, you can count on him for mid-range wide receiver two production. And on the other side of the ball, not so much. It's going to be more the running attack, more the Tariq Cohen stuff, more the, the Jordan Howard stuff, more the, the running the defense, I, there's a possibility that Chicago's defense will outscore its offense and they will still win the game. So I think if you have any of these guys we just mentioned, you're going to be good. If you don't have any, if you have somebody else we didn't, I didn't mention here, well, maybe not so much this game. Yeah, you know, Cleveland up against Chicago, these are two teams that you would figure are not going to do much of anything, but Chicago's at least made some you know, I don't want to say Cleveland hasn't made any effort. That's not the right word to say. But Cleveland has, hasn't won a game. They're 0-14 this season. And Chicago has at least tried to do some good things as of late. You know, they were able to defeat the Bengals on the road in Cincinnati. So now that they're playing the Browns and they're playing the Browns at home for this matchup, as far as who to go with, you know, if you go against Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, they make you pay. If you go with them, sometimes they frustrate the hell out of you. So it's <laughs> it's really, I mean, it is. It's it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, so to speak, because Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen did absolutely nothing against Detroit on the road last week, but the week before, they're getting work done. So if you have Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen, they're mid-range running back twos, uh, potentially high running back threes. You know, I, I would say that they should be complementary to your feature back or backs and they shouldn't be your dominant person. But as I said, when you leave them on the bench, that's when usually they go off. So that's it's a it's a very, very difficult decision to make. But you should be playing them. They're playing Cleveland in this game. As far as Cleveland goes, Josh Gordon, as a, as a flex guy, I call him a wide receiver three right now because as soon as he came on, 
to the field for Cleveland. He was able to grab yardage, and he's been leading the team in reception. I mean, he's been leading the team in receiving yards since he came back. So, you know, he's obviously important to the team, but when you have a quarterback that's throwing no touchdowns and two interceptions, you know, that's that's obviously going to be an issue. And as Cleveland continues to struggle, how much you can trust in Josh Gordon when you're trying to win a Super Bowl in fantasy. I wouldn't trust in him a lot, but if you have to put him out there, he's not your one, he's not your two. Look to him to be your three. Detroit at Cincinnati, thoughts on this one? Yeah, this one should be interesting here. I, You know, I, I, I'd like to think that Detroit would take care of their own business here and Detroit would do what they need to do, but, you know, they're too inconsistent in my book here. So they have to win. They, they're in a position where their back's up against the wall. The Bengals are, are playing for next year, and they're probably just looking at the, the, the growth of the organization here. So I got Matt Stafford as the number seven quarterback this week. Whereas Andy Dalton, not so much. He's a bottom-end uh, quarterback, too. And, you know, rushing the ball, this Teon Green's ported on lately here. I don't know what direction they're going to go in Detroit. You know, I think they're more a, a throw-first offense where you can count on a guy like a Marvin Jones, a Golden Tate here. You know, and on the other side of the ball, A.J. Green seems to always get points, always seems to get some production. So there's some value there as well. And Eric Ebron's been coming on late, so if you're in a in a pinch for a tight end, you know he's probably not available. But if you have Eric Ebron, you might be able to get some bottom end tight end one production out of him. Yeah, for this game for me to look at Detroit at Cincinnati, I mean Detroit's playing for their reality. They're playing for their lives right now and trying to make it happen. So you know Detroit is eight and six. And, you know, if you if we look at the way that the standings are right now in the playoffs to to bond reality with fantasy in this moment. In the NFC, Philadelphia currently at number one at 12 and two, Minnesota, number two at 11 and three. The Rams have not won their division. They're 10 and four. The Saints have not won their division. They're 10 and four. The Panthers have not won the division because the Saints and them have the same record of 10 and four. The Falcons are nine and five. Detroit is right outside at eight and six. Then Seattle, then Dallas. Whoever beats the other team when it's Seattle playing up against Dallas is going to decide who still has a fighting chance at the playoffs. So believe it or not, Green Bay's tenth at seven and seven, even though they don't have a chance of making it. Still pretty, <laughs> still pretty interesting how them without Aaron Rodgers are above the Redskins, the Cardinals, the Bucks, and then of course the Niners, the Bears, and the Giants. So Seattle's playing Dallas. Whoever wins this game will stay in the playoff hunt. Whoever loses will be out. And Detroit is the team that is the last team knocking on the door to get in. The irony and the sadness of this is that the Golden Tate touchdown that was called off would have essentially, if it was, if it stayed a touchdown, then Detroit would be number six. Atlanta would be number seven. And we would be talking about a different playoff scenario right now as Detroit goes into this game with Cincinnati so hopefully the officials do not decide who makes the playoffs as Detroit is fighting to get in and Cincinnati like uh, like Mike said you know they're not fighting to get into the playoffs they have had years upon years of going to the playoffs and not winning anything once they get there and everybody asks the question why is Marvin Lewis still there when it just seems like mediocrity is a tale of the town and in the year that they're not making the playoffs now, so they don't have a chance to lose in the first round, Marvin Lewis will be moving on more than likely. And, well, well you know, obviously they're looking to the future. 
after Marvin Lewis and hopefully things get better for Cincinnati for their hopes and their dreams and and hopefully things go well for Marvin Lewis even though things don't seem to work out I'm not going to sit here and ever say that somebody deserves to be fired or deserves to lose their job or their livelihood so I hope the best for Marvin obviously mediocrity is not what Cincy wants and in this game Detroit's going to hopefully take care of business because if they don't then mediocrity will will win the day and Detroit will rue the day that they allowed it to happen. Uh, Matt Stafford, I like him in this game. I like Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, Eric Ebron, I still say he's a low end too. It's hard for me to trust in him. Golden Tate has just fallen off the wagon in this and Kenny Galladay has been quiet too. So Marvin Jones Jr., who I'm very happy I drafted, continues to be the number one receiving threat for them. As far as running the ball, it, it's a three-man show. So to tell you to lean on one of those Lions players, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. On the other side for Cincinnati, if you want to play A.J. Green, I put him as a low-end two. And outside of that, their rushing attack, I'm just, you know. They've had six, I believe six different guys run the ball, and I'm still not impressed by anything going on in Cincinnati as far as rushing the ball. Los Angeles at Tennessee. Tennessee loses. They lose the division for good. What do you think about the Rams at the Titans? Well, it's a game both teams have to win. The Rams have to win. The Rams win, they they win the West. And Tennessee has to win and then get some help to stay alive. So it's interesting. It's going to be in Tennessee, but I think it's going to be all Rams. If you saw Todd Gurley's performance last week, that was just incredible. And, of course, I don't have to tell you, he's one of the top running backs this week. You know, on the other side of the ball, they had been mixing it up a little bit, but it looks like, you know, DeMarco Murray is still the guy there. Looks like he's still trudging along at, you know, 48 years old, however old he is. He still manages to, to trudge through and get that offense running. And, you know, you got to put some thanks to that to Marcus Mariota, but he's been playing poorly lately. And against the Rams defense that can get after it, he's no more than a number 19 quarterback this week. We're on the other side of the ball with Jared Goff. He's a bottom end quarterback one at number 12 this week. You know, looking at the receivers, I like what um, you know. I, I like what Los Angeles has put together here. I like the fact that they can rely on a Robert Woods, who's really turned it on lately. I like the fact they got a Cooper Cup there. Now, Robert Woods is more a mid-range wide receiver two this week, and a Cooper Cup is more a, a, a bottom end wide receiver three. But Cooper Cup seems to be the red zone target for them. So, if you're in a touchdown only league, you may want to rethink that position a little bit and Sammy Watkins may show up I hope he shows up for the Rams sake but you know Tennessee can rely on their tight end Tennessee's Delani Walker he's a guy that's going to get production he's going to get numbers obviously he's a tight end one for you and uh, I look for the Rams to go ahead and clinch the West and win this game in Tennessee yeah this is as Mike said I mean this is a massive game for either one of these teams I think Los Angeles is hungry and determined I'm not saying that Tennessee is not. Tennessee has has had a rough last couple weeks, whereas the Los Angeles Rams, they want to win this division. They want to shut this door. They want to slam this door, and I understand why. The team has won three of their last four games. They lost to the Eagles in a close matchup. They just took care of the Seahawks at Seattle, 42-7, to and now the Rams hungry in, this season with, in their first season with Sean McVay the young head coach. I mean, they're looking to take care of business. And Tennessee is, like I said, they've lost the last two. They lost at the Cardinals and at the Niners. They're back home for this game. The last time they were home, they defeated the Texans 
but the Rams are a tall order, and the Jaguars can tell you that. The Rams are not an easy team to face by any stretch of the imagination. So you got to do a lot of things right to beat the Rams this season, a team that is used to running up the scoreboard. So I like Jared Goff in this game. I like Todd Gurley. I like that Robert Woods is back. And it was funny when I said Robert Woods, when he was out, I said, you know, Sammy Watkins is the guy that you had to lean on. The four, Both of them former Bills. I said, if one of them is out, if Woods is out, then Watkins is going to catch his touchdowns. And that's exactly what happened. So now that Woods is back, Watkins has been more of the reserve guy and kind of falling down the ladder in fantasy. So, you know, as far as injuries, nothing to really be concerned about on either side. And going off of what I said, because Woods is back, I like Woods. So really, Woods, Gurley, and Jared Goff, if you want to take a flex position, a wide receiver three position for Cooper Cup, I can understand that, but he is inconsistent in fantasy points. As far as Tennessee goes, Marcus Mariota is going to do what he can in this game, but he's a low-end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two for me. Rashard Matthews is a nice steal. He has done some good things this season. So he could be a low-end two, high-end three, wide receiver, probably high-end three. And Delaney Walker, I still like him as your tight end to put out there. As far as running the ball, it's been up and down for Tennessee, so it's difficult. I mean, I'd like to tell you that Derrick Henry or DeMarco Murray, but to me, I I reserve them in those low-end running back three positions just because of the fact of the level of inconsistency. But I do have a gut feeling that one of them is going to turn on. Uh, Derrick Henry, for some odd reason, I feel like is going to do some good things in this game. So if you want to take a chance on him, look to him for this. Miami at Kansas City. Kansas City somehow, some way, is still holding on to their division. And they have the opportunity to play Miami, who's played spoiler to other teams this season. What do you think about this one? Yeah, well, Kansas City can clinch the AFC West with a win. So this is huge for them. The Dolphins are still mathematically alive, although mathematically it's highly unlikely, but they're still alive. And, you know, going into Kansas City is a tough place to play. You know, if you got a starter from Kansas City, you want to play them, but you know that already, including an Alex Smith. You know, there's a quarterback one this week, you know, including Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's the number five running back this week. Tyreek Hill, number five receiver this week. And Travis Kelsey, the number two tight end this week. Now, on Miami's side of the ball, there is a bright spot. you got to look for it, but there is a bright spot, and his name is Kenyon Drake. Now, Kenyon Drake's been doing a lot lately, and Damian Williams has been out, and the coaching staff has noticed that, and they're saying that now that Damian Williams is coming back, they're going to you know, scale down Drake's carries a little bit. I don't believe that for a minute. I think that uh, Drake is the most popular guy there because he's the most productive guy there, and I think that's going to continue. And I think if you have Drake... You can start him as a high-end running back, too, this week with confidence. They're going to have to run the ball. He's the guy that's going to get the ball. And, you know, receiving the ball, maybe a Jarvis Landry as a a low-end wide receiver, too, this week. Maybe a Kenny Stills as a long-shot flex. Um, You know, there's not much that they can do from the tight end position. So I I, I think it's going to be all Kansas City, all the fantasy points Kansas City, and the victory should go to Kansas City as well. Yeah, you know, Miami, like we said, uh, they they have played, and like I just said a second ago, have played spoiler before, so don't overlook Miami in this game at Kansas City, but Kansas City, they both need this game. Miami needs it mathematically to stay alive, like Mike said, somehow, some way, 
and then on the side of Kansas City, they want to shut the door. They just defeated Oakland. They defeated the Chargers. They want to make this thing theirs for good for sure. Uh, Obviously, you know, that uh, Damian Williams, he's been injured. Shoulder injury has left him questionable. Devontae Parker is questionable with an ankle injury at wide receiver. Matt Moore is questionable with a foot injury. And that's really all of it for Miami. As far as Kansas City goes, they have Travis Kelsey with an illness slated to miss practice on Thursday this week, and he was questionable. So just watch on Kelsey. Something must be going around the NFL because illness, yes, illness, has been something that has kept guys off the field this season. So a speedy recovery and God bless to all that are not feeling that well right now. As far as Miami goes in this matchup, Kenyon Drake, like Mike said, I like him. You know, I really do. I was wondering who the heck was going to carry the ball for this team. And in his second season out of Alabama, Kenyon Drake's been doing a pretty nice job of taking care of business on the ground for the Miami Dolphins. So I like Kenyon Drake in the game. Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills, both options. Landry, I would say a low end two. I can agree with that. Stills, wide receiver uh, three. Usually Stills is the guy that they'll go to in those touchdown type situations or if they want to air it out. But Landry's coming off of a high game. So, you know, I would say to lean on Landry a little bit more, but don't count out Kenny Stills. But he is coming off a game where he had one catch for eight yards. So I know one week doesn't mean everything, but it would be nice to see Kenny Stills be a little bit more consistent. He is hard to leave off the roster, though. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, I like them both. Travis Kelsey, if he's healthy enough to go in this game. And I like Alex Smith as a low-end quarterback one or a mid-to-low-end mid to quarterback one because I do think that Kansas City is going to score some points in this one. We're going to do one more and take a step aside. Buffalo at New England. What do you have for this, Mike? Well, this is a game that both teams have to win as well. Buffalo's struggling to stay alive. And believe it or not, 11-4, the Patriots still have some work to do. They've already clinched the AFC East, but, you know, they want to make sure to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's huge for them. So, you know, looking at guys like Tom Brady, of course, he's going to be a, you know, a top flight uh, quarterback one for you. Where on the other side of the ball, Tyrod Taylor, not so much. He's going to be a mid-range quarterback two this week. And then when you're looking at running backs, the one guy that really drives his team is LaShawn McCoy. As LaShawn McCoy goes, so go the Bills. If they run the ball and they run the ball well, well, they're going to win the game. I don't think they're going to win the game, but I still think LaShawn McCoy is going to put up some decent numbers. He's a low-end running back, too, for New England. Deion Lewis seems to be the guy that's going to get the lion's share of everything. He's a mid-range running back, too, this week. And, of course, Brandon Cooks for receiver for New England. Every time you think, where's Brandon Cooks? What's that? Oh, there's Brandon Cooks with the 60-yard reception. So this is a guy who can make a big play and turn the day around. So even come the fourth quarter, if Brandon Cooks is covered up and not doing so much, continue to have faith because this is a guy who simply gets it done. Not so much on the Buffalo side for receivers. You know what? You know what? They have one receiver, and he's a tight end, and that's Charles Clay. You can count on Charles Clay for bottom end, tight end, one production. And, of course, the other tight end in this game, Rob Gronkowski, the number one tight end in the NFL every time he steps on the field. Yeah, you know, in in this one, I mean, obviously Buffalo has played spoiler before to New England and, and vice versa. And normally you're looking at this series splitting. Buffalo lost at home 23-3. to So you wonder if Buffalo will be able to come back in this one and, you know, due to the Patriots, give them something 
that they don't want to deal with just like they gave to the Steelers. So we'll look to see what Buffalo can do in this game as they try to stay alive in this matchup. As far as injury goes, Buffalo's got a bunch on the injury report. Uh, Calvin Benjamin, knee injuries left him questionable. LaShawn McCoy, knee injuries left him questionable. Andre Holmes at wide receiver, neck injury questionable. Charles Clay, knee injury questionable. At tight end, Nick O'Leary, back injury, tight end left him questionable. So watch all of those, and you can check out the injury report on wakeupcalldt.com. Click on the Fantasy Football tab at the top of the page or at the bottom of the homepage, and that'll take you to the NFL injury report. So make sure you do that. And then as far as New England goes in this game, injury-wise, they usually try to put 700 people on the list. Uh, Rex Burkhead is doubtful with a knee injury. Chris Hogan, who has been on the injury report for weeks now, he has a shoulder injury that's left him questionable. Matthew Slater is questionable. Brandon Bolden and James White are questionable at the running back position. And you know that Malcolm Mitchell is on injured reserve. So as far as uh, who I would put out in this one, LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay, if he's healthy enough to go, and LaShawn McCoy. Really, that's who I'm telling you for fantasy. As far as for New England, Tom Brady didn't put up big numbers against Pittsburgh. He was, he was you know, he was very quiet, domesticated in this game, even though they won. So, uh, Tom Brady, it's hard to say no to him. I mean, obviously, if you have him, you don't want to leave him on your bench. And then Deion Lewis, with Rex Burkhead being out especially, that's going to help him out. Rob Gronkowski and Brandon Cooks, I like them both in this game. And hopefully, you know, with hopefully there will be no drama in this game between the New England Patriots and whoever else. I mean, there was, there's usually drama when the Patriots are there. Tuck rule, catch rule, all that good stuff. Hopefully this will be a clean game that will be won by a team outright as Buffalo goes to New England. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. And then Mike and I will come back in Fantasy Football Friday, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, inside a wake-up call with Dan Tortora to discuss Atlanta and New Orleans and a battle that's, I mean, believe it or not, as good as New Orleans has been this year, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, fighting for the NFC South. 75% of the NFC South is still alive. We'll take a step aside and we'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing with Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast. Inside of the morning menu, we are discussing Fantasy Football Week 16, Saturday games, Sunday games, and Monday games. We have the the Christmas Eve Eve games, the Christmas Eve games, and the Christmas Day games. And I'm here with Mike Sofka, as always, of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com, myself, Dan Tortora of Wake Up Call DT.com, and a shout out to the place that you're watching fantasy football. If you're in central and upstate New York, that is the Wildcat Sports Pub, 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. Coming up right here is Atlanta at New Orleans. Now, as I was saying to Mike, I mean, this, this division, think about it. New Orleans started out the season 0 and 2. Then then they surged. They're 10 and 4. Carolina started out the season with their offense looking pretty disgusting at times. Yet they're 10 and 4. Atlanta started off the season as one of the teams that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl and they started to trend downward and then all of a sudden they're alive and they're 9 and 5. Any one of these three teams could win the NFC South. Any one of these three teams can make the playoffs. All three of them at the moment are in the playoffs. They are taking up 50% of the NFC's playoff spots. So, Mike, we talk about important games. This one takes the cake in a big way. Atlanta at New Orleans. Atlanta on the road. Let me make a quick note here. Atlanta on the road is 5-2. and two. New Orleans at home is six and one. Let's party. Yeah, I would think, you know, just like those numbers suggest that this one's going to be all Saints. You go back several years, I don't have it right in front of me, but usually this this uh, series is swept. You know, the series is swept by the Saints one year and it's swept by the Falcons another year. So, I, you, you know, I, I throw all that out the, out the window here. I think it's going to come down to quarterback play in this game. I think uh, – Matt Ryan has been subpar at moments this year, but you can still rely on him for uh, bottom-end quarterback one performance this week. And Drew Brees is a little bit higher than that. He's the number five overall quarterback this week, so you definitely can rely on Drew Brees. You know, this is where the game is going to be separated, the rushing attack. you got two premium rushing attacks going against each other here. you got Devontae Freeman on one side of the ball, and well, Tevin Coleman, who, who's still dinged up, I, I don't think he's going to be playing in this game. But, you know, on the other side of the ball, you have a more than ample running attack in Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Now, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara are arguably the two best in what they do. Now, if you're in a PPR league, I like Kamara a little better, but both of these guys are running back ones. And another big impact in this game is going to be at the receiver position. Julio Jones should be the number one overall wide receiver this week. He seemed to get back on track here recently. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, I think you have to rely on Michael Thomas. You know, he's going to be 
the guy that they get the ball to a lot. He's gonna, if you're in a PPR league, especially, he's the guy. I know he's been slow on touchdowns this year, but that's starting to pick back up, I think. And, you know, tight end, I really can't rely on either tight end, and it's a shame because I think both teams have a good tight end. It's just they haven't seemed to be able to get it working in, in, in Austin Hooper. You know, they haven't seemed to be getting it working in, in a Josh Hill. You know, it, Josh Hill's having to pour it on now. You know, he, he he's the guy, but he's not able to be the guy, unfortunately. So, again, quarterback, running back, and wide receivers where all the value is in this game. So there should be a lot of fantasy points, I think. Bring Jimmy Graham back to New Orleans. That's what I have to say when it comes to fantasy at the tight end position. But as far as injuries go for both of these teams, listen up because these are important. Julio Jones at wide receiver for Atlanta. Ankle and thumb injury. Watch him on this. Mohamed Sanu with an E injury. He's questionable as well for Atlanta. For New Orleans, Michael Humanawanui, my favorite name. Concussion, non-participant at practice on Wednesday at the tight end position. And Josh Hill with a shoulder injury is questionable. Ted Ginn Jr. at wide receiver has a ribs injury that has left him questionable for this game for the New Orleans Saints. As far as Matty Ryan, I agree with Mike. Low-end quarterback one. He has somehow gotten away with winning a bunch of games by only throwing a touchdown. So fantasy-wise, not that great. For Atlanta Falcons fans who want to go to the playoffs, he's been pretty good. Taking care of business. Managing the game. I like Devontae Freeman in this game. Julio Jones, if he's healthy enough to play, I like him too. As far as the Saints go, I'm liking Drew Brees. I'm liking Mark Ingram. I'm liking my guy, Alvin Kamara. And Michael Thomas is, out of any wide receiver, the best option. And it looks like they're going to be throwing more to the receivers with three tight ends on the injury report for the New Orleans Saints. Next one up is the Los Angeles Chargers at the New York Jets. Thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, the Jets have nothing to play for, and the Chargers have everything to play for. The Chargers are favored in this game because they're the better team, but that doesn't mean anything, as you saw the Jets go toe-to-toe with many big-name teams like New Orleans. So it begs the question which teams are going to show up. But you know what? In fantasy football, I find more times than not it's math. It's all math. So if you look at the math behind this game, I've got Phillip Rivers as the number 8 quarterback you got Bryce Petty, not so much. He's the bottom-end quarterback at all 32 teams this week. So if you have Phillip Rivers, obviously he's going to be handing the ball off. That's not going to get you points. He's going to get you the points when he's passing, but you got to run the ball when you want to pass the ball effectively, and that's Melvin Gordon. He's been getting it done all year. He's the number four running back overall this week. On the other side of the ball, not so much. It's going to be a triple-headed monster, Bilal Powell, Matt Forte, Elijah McGuire. So you can't count on a running back from the Jets. Well, you know what? Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, the number three wide receiver this week against the Jets. Who do the Jets have? Well, maybe Robbie Anderson if he plays the bottom end uh, wide receiver three for you. And I wish I could report some good news in the, wide re- in the tight end front, but you know, I don't know. It seems like the tight ends have disappeared for a lot of the league, and you can't really count on Austin Safarian Jenkins because, well, his touchdowns are going to get overturned on replay, and you can't really count on a Hunter Henry. Well, he's hurt. He's got a lacerated kidney. It's going to tick up Antonio Gates a little bit, but he's only the number 17 overall tight end this, this week, and, you know, it's a shame. He's an all-time tight end. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and I would think that, even in this waning twilight of his career, 
you would be able to count on him for a little more than that. But like I said, it's pretty much math when you're playing fantasy football. Yeah, looking at this one, as far as it goes for Los Angeles, even though they lost to Kansas City twice this season, they still have an opportunity to, believe it or not, win the division with a 7-7 and record at this moment. But they're going to need Kansas City to lose to they're going to they're going to need Kansas City to mess up. They're going to need them to trip up as they move forward. Kansas City would have to essentially lose their next 2 weeks and put themselves in a position where, you know, they're going to end out the season at 8 and 8. And if they end out the season at 8 and 8 and Los Angeles is 9 and 7, guess what? Los Angeles is going to the playoffs. So even though LA lost what you thought would be their chance last week, they still have a shot at the division of the AFC West. As far as injuries in this game, Austin Eckler with a hand injury at running back for Los Angeles is going to be a game-time decision. Uh, Elijah McGuire and Matt Forte, both questionable with injuries. Uh, Elijah McGuire for the Jets with an illness, and he sat out Thursday's practice. Matt Forte with a knee injury wasn't in Thursday's practice as well. So as far as who outplaying this one, for the Chargers, you know, Rivers' numbers haven't been that great. I like Melvin Gordon in this game. If Austin Eckler isn't 100%, I like Melvin Gordon even more. But he's been able to get his job done even with Eckler in there. He was the number one rusher and receiver last week in a loss 30-13 to in Kansas City. He scored the only touchdown for the team. So I like him. I like Keenan Allen. Tyrell Williams and Hunter Henry are two guys that I look at. Hunter Henry as a tight end two. Tyrell Williams as a low end running or wide receiver two because of the fact that he's come on a little bit as of late. But Melvin Gordon's still your best bet in Keenan Allen after that for him in this uh, Chargers team. As far as the Jets go, Robbie Anderson, I, I like Robbie. There's really nobody else. I mean, Robbie's a, a low-end two, high-end three. There's nothing else for me to tell you about the Jets. As far as Denver at Washington, <sighs> Washington doesn't want to pay Kirk Cousins. That's that's going to be a really, really huge blunder for them moving forward. And Denver doesn't have a quarterback to, to lean their hat on, even though they've played three different ones. What do you think about this game? Yeah, this is a dangerous game for fantasy football players because neither team has anything to play for here. Both teams are, you know, mathematically done. You know, so you don't know what you're going to get. Are they going to start throwing in guys where you're going to, you know, look at next year and get these guys on film to either trade them or play them or play them and trade somebody else? So it's 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 crucial for the team, but it really hampers you know fantasy football unless you can find those one or two guys that are going to play most of the game. And I think one or two guys are going to play most of the game, of course, Kirk Cousins. You know, he's a number 15 quarterback this week. But on the other side of the ball, you know, not so much. I, I, I don't believe in any quarterback on the on the Denver roster. I really don't. You know, it looks like Paxton Lynch may be the guy, but I just, I, I, I can't, I can't in good judgment play any of those guys, even though they have Demarius Thomas, you know, and even though they have a, a running attack, I just can't bring myself to play one of those guys, especially when it's on the road in Washington. Now, Samaje Perrine should be a bright spot for the Redskins, a number 15 running back this week. And C.J. Anderson should be at a bright spot for Denver. You know, he poured it on. I mean, he's been coming on strong. He looks like they feed him the ball enough, they're going to win the game. You know, this is going to be a tight game, even though it's kind of meaningless for NFL playoff scenarios. But C.J. Anderson can get you the, the points that you may need to get through the championship week here. And on the wide receiver end, I wish I could, you know, tell you, oh, yeah, Demarius Thomas is an automatic. Well, he's a bottom-end 
wide receiver two simply because of the poor quarterback play that they have in Denver. Here's a premium elite wide receiver that normally those guys are going to get their touches no matter what, even if they're losing the games. They're going to be thrown at that guy. I don't know if they can get the ball to Demarius Thomas. I think they're better off just handing the ball off to C.J. Anderson. And on Washington's side, you know, the, the wide receivers have been spotty. Jameson Crowder's been spotty. You know, I, I don't know if you can really rely on anybody there. You can't rely on Jordan Reed. He's hurt. He's done for the year. Vernon Davis, the 109-year-old tight end, they got stepped it up. He's a top-end tight end, too. And, you know, Denver really doesn't have that tight end that they can rely on. So one or two bright spots in this game, and uh, hopefully this game won't impact it to where you lose your championship. Hopefully you'll be on the end of the bright spots and win your championship behind a C.J. Anderson or a Samaje Perrine. Yeah, you know, Denver and Washington, like Mike said, this game is, you know, blow the doors wide open, kind of let's see what happens. Emmanuel Sanders didn't practice again on Thursday due to a lingering ankle issue. He's questionable. Cody Latimer with a thigh injury at wide receiver for Denver is questionable. Paxton Lynch took 50-50 reps with Brock Osweiler, but he is still questionable for the game with an ankle injury. As far as Washington goes in this matchup, we have Maurice Harris who has a back injury, did not participate in practice Thursday. He's questionable at wide receiver. Samaje Perrine injured his groin in the early portion of Thursday's practice and missed the rest of the session. He is questionable. Jamison Crowder, hamstring injury is questionable, and that's really it. So if Samaje Perrine's good to go, then he's obviously somebody to look to. But for Denver, C.J. Anderson, 158 yards on the ground. Man, was a friggin' beast. He played the Colts, so let's remember that, okay? So let's not say he's going to go as insane, but it was good to see him do something. Demarius Thomas, you know, he's hard to keep off your list, especially if Emmanuel Sanders is out, but that could hurt because they could just shift toward Demarius if Emmanuel doesn't end up playing. So I'm not a big fan of Demarius, who gets demoted to a wide receiver three for me this week. C.J. Anderson, I like him on that side. As far as Washington goes, if Samaje Perrine's good to go, play him in this game. Kirk Cousins, he's playing to get a contract somewhere where somebody's going to respect this man. So I look at him as a low-end quarterback one. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I like him in this game. And uh, Capri Bibbs, the third season out of Colorado State, he's somebody that people kind of look into because he scored last week. I look at him as kind of like a Cody Latimer. I don't see anything huge coming out of him. But if they want to air it out and spread some things out, I'm sure he's out there in free agency, but I like Crowder and I like Samaje Prine if he's playing, and I like Kirk Cousins because he's playing for a job somewhere. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Carolina needs everything about this game, and Tampa Bay loves to be spoiler city. What do you have for this one? Yeah, I think if you have a Carolina Panther, this is a no-brainer. That Bucks defense, especially the secondary, is very weak. They just put Vernon Hargraves on the IR, and he's been out for several weeks, and it just seems that Tampa Bay can get scored on, and, and I think that Carolina is going to do just that. I think Cam Newton's the number one overall quarterback this week for that very reason. You know, I, I'd like to tell you that, you know, you're going to get production on the other side of the ball from Jameis Winston, but I think it's just going to be keep-up garbage-time type stuff, and he's a number 17 quarterback this week. You know, they've come up with some balance. Jonathan Stortzman will break off some good runs for Carolina lately, and he's making this more of a two-headed committee here. Christian McCaffrey's able to catch the ball, especially if he you're in a PPR with Christian McCaffrey. He's the guy 
Christian McCaffrey, number 16 overall running back this week. And Jonathan Stewart right behind him is the number 21 overall running back this week. So a great one-two punch for them. And if you look, all these teams that are successful in the NFL right now seem to have that dynamic one-two punch at running back. So, you know, one guy goes down, one guy gets a concussion, the other guy steps up. They lean on one guy more so than the other and back and forth. So that's a great thing for Carolina. Now, Carolina's going to be able to throw the ball, and they're going to throw the ball to Greg Olson, who is more than back. He came back, fizzled out, talked about going back on IR again, and then they just sat him out. And Look at him. He's dynamic. He, he, he's right back to tight end one production last week. I have a feeling this is going to continue against the soft Tampa Bay. And, you know, Cameron Brayton is going to be not too far behind him as the number nine tight end now that O.J. Howard is, is done for the year with an injury. So it looks like Cameron Brayton is going to get most of the production. But let's not forget Mike Evans. Mike Evans is the number nine wide receiver this week. Again, he's a number one target. Even though he's on a bad team who's having a bad run of it, he's going to get the production. There's going to be throws to him in desperation because they're losing the game. There's, there's going to be... Uh, productivity by Mike Evans because he's Mike Evans. He gets it done. No matter what the situation is, no matter who the quarterback is, he seems to be a guy you can count on for wide receiver one production. Now, he's not the top wide receiver this week. He's the number nine wide receiver on my rankings this week, but he's going to continue to get it done for you. Yeah, for Tampa Bay, first and foremost, to look at injuries, they have, uh, as Mike brought up, uh, O.J. Howard, is on injury reserve with an ankle injury. Deshaun Jackson is questionable with an ankle injury at wide receiver. Cameron Brait was limited on Wednesday due to hip and knee injuries. He's questionable, so just make sure you watch Cameron Brait. But he came up big for Tampa as they tried to surge back in their game most recently here. So make sure that you keep an eye on him. He tried to surge against Atlanta. So Cameron Brait is obviously one of those targets that Jameis Winston likes to throw to, even more so than Mike Evans, because if he had thrown to Mike Evans, I wouldn't have lost by four points in one of my fantasy leagues. So thank goodness I'm still alive in three of them. But all I'm going to say to you, Jameis Winston, is I see you, bro. And maybe, maybe just maybe, throw to your number one all-pro wide receiver when a man needs four damn points and make it happen. So, soapbox done. I'm angry. I'm upset. I've lived through it, but I'm okay. Carolina... <laughs> a little bit. Carolina, Cam Newton, questionable with a shoulder injury, but whenever he's questionable, he's typically playing. A shoulder injury for Devin Funches, a wide receiver. Russell Shepard with a shoulder injury as well. He used to play for Tampa, so this would be a fun game for him. In this matchup, we have, for me, as far as who to play for Tampa, you know, Peyton Barber's not a bad flex guy at running back. Mike Evans, I would love to tell you that he's a, court, that he's a number one wide receiver. But I just said what I said about Jameis. So Mike Evans, he's like a low-end one for me right now. Cameron Brait, if he's healthy enough to play, he's a tight end one. <clears throat> Can't As far as Carolina goes, Cam Newton in this game, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Stewart, Greg Olson. Boy, went back to work this past weekend. I like all those guys. Devin Funches as a flex player because he's up and down. Uh, Jacksonville at San Francisco. If Tennessee loses at 1 o'clock, Jacksonville will already know that they've won the division before they play San Fran. So that could maybe affect who goes out there or how much Leonard Fournette's used. So it could affect fantasy. So just make sure you're you're keying in on that. Jacksonville at San Fran, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it's it could affect it, but I don't think it's going to affect it as much. While they can clinch the, the South, 
going to get some home field advantage. And, you know, they're looking up at that picture right now at teams like Pittsburgh and the Patriots. However, I think Jacksonville owns some tiebreakers if it does come down to a tie that way. So I look for Jacksonville to continue to press and not take their foot off the gas. That seems to be a Tom Coughlin-type approach. So I can appreciate that, and I think that's the way things are going to go for them. With that being said, I think Blake Bortles has been on fire lately. He's been the top quarterback in the league, arguably, for the past month. And you know what? San Fran's been playing okay recently, though. So anytime you go East Coast to West Coast, West Coast to East Coast, it takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your routine. But I think Jacksonville's going to muddle through this with their defense and their ability to run the ball. I think Blake Bortles is the number 14 overall quarterback this week. And Jimmy Garoppolo, even though Jacksonville's a vaunted defense, I think Jimmy Garoppolo at home, he's been on fire lately for the team. So I think you can count on Jimmy Garoppolo to get you some mid-range quarterback two production, even against this vaunted Jacksonville defense. Now, the difference in this game, the separation is going to be in the running attack and the defense. Leonard Fournette, number seven, running back this week. He should be back. He's been injured, so check that carefully. You know what? Carlos Hyde's muddling to get it done. He's going to continue to muddle against that Jacksonville defense. You know, they, they've they shored up that defensive line. They're good against the rush now. They're good against the, the pass. Saxonville, as they call it, they're going to continue to dominate. But Carlos Hyde's going to muddle through, and he's the number 18 running back this week. And receiver-wise, Jacksonville spreads it out a little bit. He's, they spread it out with guys you may have never heard of. And the same thing for San Francisco, simply because of injury. Marquise Goodwin, he's the number one receiver for San Fran, but he's no more than a 26 receiver this week against Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's got some mid-range receivers as well. And I'm talking about guys that up until weeks ago, some people have never heard of a Keelan Cole. Some people have never heard of a D.D. Westbrook. These are guys that have promise for the future in Jacksonville. Alan Hearns is struggling to get himself back on the field. I don't think they're going to rush him back. Things aren't dire yet at the wide receiver position. And then tight end. There's not really a tight end on either side of the ball here that's going to make an impact in the game. Maybe a Garrett Selleck as a bottom end tight end too. But the value in this game is going to be in defense. Jacksonville, I don't have to tell you, has been a premium defense. Jacksonville could win you your championship just on defense this week, as probably they will win the game on defense this week as well. Yeah, and you know what? And when it comes to Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens, both of those guys who I've had the pleasure of interviewing this season, they're most likely out there waiting for you to pick them up. So I'm just saying. If you have your semis this week and your finals next week or your finals this week or whatever it may be, you might say that I was crazy and you definitely would have said I was insane at the beginning of the season. But picking up a guy like Jadon Mickens or Keelan Cole, listen, when people want to give Blake Bortles all this beef and all this grief, let me make something clear to you. That quarterback that was 3-13 and last year is 10-4 and this season, and he's doing it without wide receiver 1, Allen Robinson, wide receiver 2, Allen Hearns, wide receiver 3, Marquise Lee, and without Mercedes Lewis, longtime tight end 1, and at times without running back 1, Leonard Fournette. What defines a good quarterback? What defines a quarterback that you should key in on and a team that you should respect? The guy who's throwing touchdown passes to his fourth and fifth string wide receivers, Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens, who come from humble beginnings. One of them sleeping in his car, the other one sleeping on a floor. These guys didn't know if they were going to be on the team after being called to the Jaguars. So, these are humble men who work their butts off 
and I'm proud, like I said, to have spoken with both of them this season, and hopefully not for the last time. In this game, I like Blake Bortles as a low-end quarterback one. I like Keelan Cole. I like Jadon Mickens. I would also look to a D.D. Westbrook as a flex position player. And then as far as the injury report goes, because this is going to have something to do with this game, let me go to Jacksonville for you really quick here. They're on the road at San Fran, so I'll go to them first. Alan Hearns is questionable with an ankle injury. He's been on crutches for a while. He was on crutches weeks ago, so he's been he's been hurt for a while. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is questionable, so we could get some guys back. Uh, Chris Ivory is questionable with a back injury. Larry Pinkard isn't expected to practice uh, later on in the week. He has a concussion, coming off a concussion. Marquise Lee, ankle injury, not expected to practice as well on Thursday that, that just passed. So Leonard Fournette's not showing up on this thing. So that could be good for the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward. So if Leonard Fournette's good to go, then look to Leonard Fournette and give him an opportunity. I left him on my roster and forgot to take him off, and that was to my detriment at times, but my team pulled through without him, so that was good. As far as San Fran, Marquise Goodwin's questionable at wide receiver with a back injury. Uh, Eldrick Robinson, Trent Taylor, all questionable. Shoulder injury for Taylor, concussion for Eldrick Robinson. Garrett Selleck, tight end, limited in practice to knee and rib injuries. Matt Breda, knee injury, limited in practice in midweek. He is questionable for the game. So a lot of injuries in this one. Who would I play? I said Keelan. I said Jadon. I said Leonard if he's good. Blake Bortles, low-end quarterback one. For San Fran, Carlos Hyde, maybe, but he's playing up against a good defense. Somebody's going to get the ball. Somebody's going to get thrown to. So a Marquise Goodwin or a Carlos Hyde is low-end players. But I think San Fran is going to feel the wrath of the Jacksonville defense, who is hungry. And like Mike said, yeah, it could be a little bit of change if they win the division. But this team could, could end the season as one of the top two teams out of 16 in the AFC, get a first round bye, and get home field. So with that being said, Jacksonville defense and special teams also put them out there as a team that you do not. I mean, I'm telling you right now, Jacksonville is hungry. And they're going to wreak some havoc. And they've been good on the road, folks. Seattle at Dallas. Whoever wins this game is still in the playoff hunt in the NFC. What do you got? Yeah, whoever wins this game is in. Whoever wins this, whoever loses this game is out. So, I mean, there is no tomorrow here. You have to win this game. And I love it for NFL viewing and for fantasy football. It's more exciting when both teams have to win. You know, Dak Prescott's poured it on as of late. He had a struggle the first couple games without Zeke, and then he's come back a little bit. Well, now Zeke is back, and I look for Dak's play to continue to escalate as Zeke comes back and takes a lot of the pressure off him. Dak, the number 10 overall quarterback this week. And you know what? Russell Wilson. He's dominating quarterback play for most of the year here. He's their leading rusher. He's their pass attack. He's their everything. Heaven forbid something happened to Russell Wilson. Seattle is done. Stick a fork in him. But Russell Wilson, the number two quarterback this week. The running attack is where the difference in this game is. The running attack, Dallas gets Zeke Elliott back. They're automatically, boom, catapulted right up to the top. Now, Zeke Elliott's the number three running back this week. I don't think he's going to do what Todd Gurley did last week against Seattle, but he can. Now, both of these guys have the same ability. Let's see if there's a capability for him to get that type of production this week. And you know what? I don't see that rushing attack on the other side of the ball. 
they've been struggling to run the ball. They've been trying to run with the hot hand. They've been trying to run with the non-injured hand more so than not in Seattle. Mike Davis is going to be the guy that's going to get the call. He's a high-end running back three. And, you know, Doug Baldwin's usually the staple of consistency for Seattle. I look at him to be the number 14 overall receiver this week. On the other side of the ball, Des Bryant. Well, what's going to happen with Des Bryant? Well, he's going to be covered up. That Seattle secondary is still something, but he's a bottom-end wide receiver, too, this week. And a tight end, Jimmy Graham, number seven tight end this week. And on the other side of the ball, Jason Witten, a number 15 tight end this week. So should be some decent fantasy production in this game, and this should be an exciting game to watch in Dallas. Yeah, this game is going to be big, and let me make note of this. Uh, Jimmy Graham is coming off of a game where he had a career-low negative one yards he, he had, uh, as far as how he played in this game, he had seven drop passes this season overall, second in the league and most among tight ends. So Jimmy Graham still continues to be a shell of what he used to be when he was with New Orleans. Again, bring him back to Nolens and make it happen. As far as injuries go, Jimmy Graham, he... He's questionable for the game, but his play has been questionable as well. Dallas, on their side, as far as injuries go, well, let me let you know something. I feel like I said this a half a second ago, and it's already here. Ezekiel Elliott's coming back. Week 16, folks. And guess what? They still have the opportunity. Well, let me say this. Now, it says Ezekiel is out due to suspension, but it's week 16, so this should be the week that he comes back onto the team. Just watch what's going to happen with Zeke in this one. Uh, as far as Bryce Butler, he's questionable. And I want to take a look at why it says Ezekiel Elliott is out here because he's supposed to return here in Week 16. So let me just double-check here on live radio while we are here. So, yeah, he will be playing in Week 16. I don't know why one of these updates hasn't been updated, but he should be out there for the team, and they need him now more than ever. On Seattle's side of things, Russell Wilson in this game looks to play him and, you know, he's been their top rusher and their top quarterback. Uh, as far as receivers, it's been all over the place. And it was really ugly against the Rams. But Doug Baldwin should be the guy that they lean on. Paul Richardson as a as a low-end wide receiver three. In this game, I, I like, you know, Dak Prescott because I think the game's going to open up a little bit. He's a high-end quarterback two for me overall. As far as Ezekiel Elliott, you got to play him. Des Bryant, you got to play him. We're going to try and run through these quick here for you folks. New York Giants at the Arizona Cardinals. What do you have, Mike? Oof, this is a rough one. I don't know if I want to watch this one, but Eli Manning did throw for like 400 million yards last week. Arizona secondary is soft. The number one wide receiver facing them each week usually gets locked up a bit, but everybody else is usually open. And it's, you wouldn't think that would be the case. Arizona also looks like they're making a change of quarterback. Again, they're going back to Drew Stanton. So I think if you're looking for outstanding quarterback play, it's going to be hit or miss in this game. Definitely a game without NFL implications, so there's no telling what direction the teams are going to go in. Both teams are going to have bottom-end quarterback two play in Eli Manning and in Drew Stanton. Now, running the ball is the difference here, but I don't think either team's capable of running the ball. The Giants are going to try to force-feed Wayne Gallman. They're going to try to make him the guy, or at least see what they have. You know, they're at the top end of the draft, and are they going to go quarterback like everybody thinks, or are they going to go running back? So Wayne Gallman was brought in, supposed to be the guy. He hasn't proven to be the guy. So 
they're going to give him every opportunity to lose this starting job next year, this game, and next week. This is almost like an audition for Wayne Gallman. So look for that. Look for them to try to overfeed him. Orleans Dark was still in the picture, but they want to see what they have in the future in Wayne Gallman. You know, you look at the receiver situation. Larry Fitzgerald should be able to pick apart a porous giant secondary. And Sterling Shepard should do all right, even though they shut down the number one. Look for them to put Sterling Shepard in the slot where he can have a lot of success. So Sterling Shepard, a mid-range wide receiver three for you. And Evan Ingram seems to be a highly productive giant tight end. Now, this is a guy for a while there looked like he was the only receiver that the Giants had that you knew who he was. But he's been able to get it done. This is a guy who was well off the radar at the beginning of the year. Some people didn't even know who he was. I knew who he was because I watched him play at Ole Miss. So this is a guy that's definitely capable of carrying that tight end one designation all the way through next year. Not so much on the other side of the ball with anything Arizona has. Maybe a Ricky Seals-Jones, but he's been spotty at best. Although the Giants' defense is porous in the secondary, he may be able to put up a score if you're in a touchdown-only league. Yeah, to to look at this game, I mean, the Giants, uh, I, I agree. They're trying to figure out what the hell they have. And Wayne Gallman is somebody who, I mean, he came from Clemson. He knows what it's like to win a championship. He's been a strong player. I mean, Evan Ingram, for goodness sakes, ran, he took a carry for 14 yards against the Eagles last week. He's been doing everything. I like Ingram more than any giant in this game. I like Wayne Gallman as a flex player because they're going to try and lean on him. And Sterling Shepard, he's an option for you here playing up against Arizona who has 100 people on their injury report. Really nobody for the Giants outside of the people you know who are already gone, like the Brandon Marshalls and the Odell Beckham Juniors of the world. But for Arizona, Chad Williams is at wide receiver. He's questionable. Troy Nicholas at tight end is questionable. John Brown, is uh, his toe expects to play Sunday. He's marked down as questionable, but is expected to play. Uh, Kerwin Williams at running back. Quadricep, he's questionable. Britton Golden is, question, is on injured reserve. Jermaine Gresham is questionable for the game. So, you got to watch all of that. Kerwin Williams has been the guy that's been running the ball. So maybe Elijah Penny is a guy that's a wide re- or running back four for you if you're in a league where you have to dig very deep. Hopefully you don't. Larry Fitzgerald, you got to play him in this game and give him an opportunity. Ricky Seals Jr. had done. Ricky Seals Jones had done some good things, but then he got really quiet as of late. So I like Fitz in this game, and and like I said, only if you have to dig like crazy for Elijah Penny. And then for the Giants, Sterling, well, it starts Evan Ingram, then Sterling, then Wayne Gallman. That's how I look at it. Next one up here, we're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. We'll come back with Christmas Day games in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base 
for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT here with Mike Sofka inside of Fantasy Football Friday for Week 16, getting you ready for the playoffs and making sure that you get ahead of the game if you've got to check that waiver wire free agency. We're trying to give you all the information we can to help you all out, so do it and do it well, as LL Cool J would tell you to do so. But... Be good out there with who you're going after. So be smart and do what you need to do this week. If this is your championship or if next week is your championship, God bless and God speed for you. I'm still alive in three of them, and we have Lombardi trophies. So I'm trying to take Papa home a couple of those bad boys if I can make it happen. So hopefully you're enjoying your fantasy football time and you're going to the Wildcat Sports Pub in Central and Upstate New York on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, the place to watch your fantasy football team wreak some havoc. And Mike Sofka is here with me to bring the Christmas Day games to finish up Fantasy Football Friday. Mike is of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Of course, myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. Pittsburgh at Houston, and like I said to Mike, if, the, if, if, if Jesse James was a running back, and he touches, and it's just the tip of the football over the goal line, touchdown. If he's a quarterback, touchdown. But as a but as a wide receiver, as a tight end, you have to eat that. You have to eat a pizza, drink a soda, pop a bottle of wine, wave to mom, and get your taxes done while holding on to the football to consider that a catch. It's a BS rule. It needs to change. I I I miss the days when somebody catching a ball was a catch. And now a catch is not a catch if it's a this or if it's a that or if it follows items 9, 10, and 11. I literally honestly feel like I'm working with Chinese algebra to figure out who cut, who caught the damn ball. But Pittsburgh's playing Houston. If they lose and Jacksonville wins, Pittsburgh will lose home field in a first round. Well, they will lose the opportunity for the first round bye. We'll still be able to have home field in their first game. Thoughts on this one is Houston has been pretty atrocious this year and they played with their third-string quarterback most recently due to injury. But Jacksonville needs Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh needs to win to try and chase New England once again. Yeah, I think this is all all Pittsburgh, obviously. Pittsburgh wants that home field advantage. They, they've already clinched the north, but they want that first-round bye. So that's going to be important to them. You know, Antonio Brown is out, so Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavius Bryant should step right up and split that other production. These are two young and up and coming receivers here. Now the biggest difference is going to be in Martavius Bryant, but the biggest production I think is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Jesse James puts himself in the spotlight here and there. He's spotty at best number 18 tight end this week, but you know the receptions are going to go to Juju Smith-Schuster, number 8 overall on my wide receiver list here. And Martavius Bryant's going to be worthy of a wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3 designation this week. That's going to put Ben Roethlisberger as a number 4 quarterback this week. Well, because he's got the number 1 running back in Le'Veon Bell. 
Le'Veon Bell seems to make it happen. I look for Pittsburgh to continue to make it happen this week and dominate Houston. On Houston's side, TJ Yates, not so much. Lamar Miller, bottom end running back two this week. Disappointing production-wise late in the year. I'm glad I traded him away earlier this year. And you know what? Looking at receivers for Houston, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is the guy. He's going to put up number two wide receiver production numbers because they're going to be behind all day. They're going to have to throw the ball all day. And it's math. They're going to connect on a few of those. And the guy behind those is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Well, the biggest hope for Houston is the fact that they don't have to play up against Antonio Brown, who has a lower leg contusion, who has definitely messed with some people's fantasy play late on in the season here. But Juju Smith-Schuster, he is back, and that is a good thing because he had been out for a little while as of late here in the season due to injury himself. No James Conner, no Antonio Brown for Pittsburgh. As far as Houston, <coughs> Houston goes, DeAndre Hopkins, toe injury, he was limited in practice on Thursday in his questionable to play in the game. Tom Savage is doubtful in the game, and obviously Deshaun Watson is still on injured reserve, so he's not coming back. And Jadavian Clowney, he got clowned by the Jaguars. He called Blake Bortles trash, and Blake, who doesn't say much, he said, if the way I'm playing and the way we're playing is trash, I'm happy to be trash. And the fans responded by sending trash cans to, J- to Jadavian Clowney just so he can fill them with the hopes, dreams, and the tears of the Houston Texans. But the Houston Texans could help out the Jaguars this week. So fans are fans are not having it with Jadavian Clowney, but fans definitely want some help from Houston in this game. Who I would play in this one with Pittsburgh at Houston, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster. I like them all. Martavis Bryant, low-end wide receiver two because of the injury to Antonio Brown. And for the Houston Texans, wow. I don't like anybody. If DeAndre Hopkins is healthy enough to go, I look to him. Will Fuller, the fifth, he is a wide receiver four for me. And, and you know, he used to be better, but this quarterback thing messed him up. Oakland at Philadelphia, what do you have for this? This game should be all Philadelphia. Philadelphia is trying to get home field advantage for throughout the playoffs. Now, a lot of people say, well, Carson Wentz went down. That's it. Season over. Wrap it up. Well, not so fast. You know, here's a guy in Nick Foles who's been through that Reed Peterson offense that, Reed Peterson offense that he knows that system. He's able to get things done. And with the talent around him, he just doesn't have to put all the weight on his shoulders if they can continue to spread the ball around like they do well in Philadelphia and continue to play good defense they're going to win some games and they have that running attack but the running attack's been spotty as best at best lately the running attack is stronger on the other side of the ball in my opinion than Marshawn Lynch who himself has been spotty this year so I got Marshawn Lynch as a number 23 quarterback uh, number three Sorry, number 23 running back this week. And on the other side of the ball, I don't know which guy is going to dominate. I don't know who's going to who's gonna be carrying the load. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I can count on any one guy there. So maybe Jay Ajayi, he seems to be the most electric. He seems to be the freshest face there and the guy they feel the most confident in. But even he is on the same level as Marshawn Lynch, a, a low-end running back, too. So Nick Foles, number 13 quarterback this week. Derek Carr has been having trouble getting it done. Protection's been abysmal. Amari Cooper has disappeared. There's been a lot of injuries and a lot of problems. Derek Carr, number 21 quarterback this week. If, if you're still using him, you're probably still not playing this week in your championship game. And reception-wise, you got to go with Crabtree. I like the matchup this week. 
Crabtree's a bottom-end wide receiver one, top-end wide receiver two this week. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey's the number one target there. But don't forget about this guy, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was out for a couple games, hurt, dinged up, and now he's back. Number three overall tight end this week. And Zach Ertz should be able to win you a championship. If he's on your team, you're probably in contention. Yep, for this game, injury-wise, uh, besides the injury to Carson Wentz, Wentz, really nothing for Philadelphia. Oakland, Jared Cook, Corderell Patterson, Amari Cooper, and Clive Walford, all questionable in this game. Who would I play in this one? It is simple as this. For Oakland, Michael Crabtree. Hello and goodbye. For Philadelphia, Nick Foles, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz, Elshon Jeffrey. I like them all. Jay Ajayi, wide receiver three, or wide receiver, running back three. Kind of a flex guy for me this week because they have so many different players in the backfield for them in Philadelphia. But that's how we roll with this one, and that is Week 16 of Fantasy Football Advice. God bless and God speed for your fantasy football teams. Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. Always, brother, appreciate you. And I'm going to start this, I'm going to end the show the way I started the show by saying what should always be said on December 25th because there are no politics on this show. Merry, 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 Merry Christmas to you, sir. I hope you have a good time. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Dan. I'll see you next time. All right, take care. That coming from Mike Sofka. Thank you to everybody that came out and hung out with us for a phenomenal Christmas edition of Game Show Night. You guys were amazing. We had awesome teams, took out the place, had a great time right by the Christmas tree. Game Show Night that happened at Muddy Waters. Shout out to you. The community was great. I appreciate it so very much. To Oswego Street in Baldwinsville. A lot of great things coming up. A lot of great surprises coming up from Muddy Waters in January and also some surprises coming up. It's Sammy Malone's. They all have to do with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So make sure you stay close. Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. Twitter at Call DT. Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. All the time on WakeUpCallDT.com. Download the RSS feed, get the iTunes podcast, and get the app powered by Podbean just by going to WakeUpCallDT.com and clicking on each of those tabs at the top of the page. The broadcast of the last 10 shows is available to you on the homepage as well as the live feed and so much more. Quick links and everything you need. I'll see you at Lee's and Staggerwall tonight at 5 p.m. to preview Syracuse and St. Bonaventure. And then I'll see you at the Dome at 7 o'clock. Lee's and Staggerwald, 117 East Fayette Street in downtown Syracuse, five minutes from the Dome. Bring your game ticket and you get a free beer. Your first beer is free with your game ticket for Syracuse St. Bonnie's. You'll meet Dale Shackelford, you'll talk with me, you'll get some great food, some great drinks, and you'll have a great time. See you at 5 o'clock tonight for an early Christmas gift to you, which is us sharing with you this game. And then Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah to everybody. It's going to be 25 and snowing today, 35 and snowing tomorrow with rain, 30 and snowing on Sunday, 27 and snowing on Monday. It looks like it's going to be a white Christmas and I love you all. God bless to you and your families. God bless to everybody and to Dick Enberg, who's passed on as a longtime broadcaster. Godspeed and God bless you on a highway to heaven, folks. And uh, to all our loved ones that have passed on, may they be in heaven safe and sound and may they be with us under the Christmas tree this year. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll be back later on next week after we take some time off for the holidays. And make sure you stay close on wakeupcalldt.com to find out when and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. God bless you. Have a great, great, and Merry Christmas. 
And Jesus, thank you for dying so that I may have a chance to live.